0: Welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. Welcome to Chip Chat. My name is Allison Klein. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Gaudi Singer, Vice President and Architecture General Manager in our AI Platform Group at Intel. Welcome, Gadi.
1: Hi, Alyssa. Great to be here.
0: So, Gadi, it's the first time you've been on Chip Chat. I can't believe that. As you're a longtime Intel leader, why don't you just give the audience a bit on your background and the various roles you've played at Intel?
1: So, I've been uh, at Intel for 35 years. I just celebrated the anniversary a couple of months back. I've been uh, in leadership position of technology and engineering and I've been privileged in driving seven architectures over time, including uh, being part of the Pentium, the 586 leadership team, the engineering manager of the first Xeons that Intel brought to market, and the Italian's creating the Atom engineering organization and the technology. Uh, in recent years, driving the architecture for the Intel architecture course, the x86 course, and what I'm driving now as the AI product groups Architecture and Technologies Manager is uh, driving the architectures for purpose built machine learning accelerators.
0: Now, Lisa Spellman was just on Chip Chat talking about the 20th anniversary of Xeon. One of the things that I've heard you talk about before is the insights in terms of how innovation happens based on all of these architecture deliveries and how they've shaped the markets with their introduction. Can you tell me about that?
1: Yes. When I thought about reaching the anniversary point and how can I give back a little bit, but also celebrate the three-plus decades, I created a view, a perspective on my top 10 life lessons on innovation. And I called it From My Journey to Yours because I tried to pick up the lessons on innovation that have the same value going forward as they had when they happened over those many years. And in particular, I was looking at how evolutionary innovation, incremental innovation happens. And you can look at it as an S-curve with a slow start, but then you know a long period of incremental changes, which are very important. And the difference between such evolutionary innovation and breakthrough innovation. And in breakthrough innovation, you've got substantial simultaneous alteration of many parameters and process technologies and others. So you create something that's really new in in terms of S-Curves, you create a new S-curve or even a new S-curve chain. So if you look at, at an industry level, the PC was completely new. It wasn't extending something else, even though it was based on previous technologies. Uh, and installed the cell phone or the smartphone that came after the, the evolution, but then breakthrough from the uh, cell phone and so on. And I was looking at that because within Intel, within our work, we need to create those breakthrough solutions for in times where the industry is about to transition, when you need to create a new space or substantially rethink an existing space. And the interesting thing is that breakthrough innovation is not like evolution innovation only done faster. It's very different. And not only that it's different, sometimes you need to apply things that are opposite or different or contra to what you would do with evolution innovation. I can liken it in a way to walking and running. When people walk, they can walk, they can walk faster, they can walk even faster. But when they do that, there's a certain set of principle. Usually they keep the center of gravity in a way that when they move their feet, the center of gravity is still stable. So if you ask somebody to freeze when they walk, even when they walk fast, it's not a problem. When you look at how people run fast, if you look at Usain Bolt, his center of gravity is way out there. He's actually falling forward. And the whole dynamics of how he moves his legs so that he continues to fall forward is completely different from the way you walk. So in the same way, breakthrough innovation is not evolutionary innovation, only done faster.
0: Now, I've also heard you talking about your top 10 life lessons, which I think extends from the conversation around the S curve But can you share some of those?
1: Probably we won't have time to go over all 10, but maybe you can sample a few of them. The first one is following what we just talked about, about the difference between evolutionary breakthrough is that evolutionary innovation is usually working from the present state forward. But that's inherently evolutionary. Usually when you have a breakthrough innovation, it looks from an ideal state backwards. Because when you look at the problems I had, just looking at the obstacles, you're still within the same frame of mind. So looking at a new end state is the way to drive it. And and we've seen it on Centrino, for example. The idea of having all laptops disconnected from their data cable sounded ridiculous in 2002. That there will be those hotspots everywhere in cafes and in terminals and so on was really something that sounded like a dream. Uh, Yes, it would have been nice, but you know that that's not how the world works. So there was this view of how the world would look like if laptops were all wirelessly connected, That drove a lot of the changes that within a relatively short period created this revolution of how you have very capable compute devices that are wireless. And that's an example of of thinking from an end state and then working backwards and saying there might have been some new technologies that we didn't have as obstacles because we were not trying to achieve that, but we still created solutions in order to reach this new state.
0: Now, one that caught my eye when I was reading through them is always question the question, maybe because I ask a lot of questions on ChipChat. But what do you mean by that?
1: So question the question says in most difficult situations when you get into a corner, you should step back and relook at what is the right question to ask. And I'll give you a concrete example. Years ago, one of the challenges was how to do a validation between the top level of design, the more logic level of design and the physical implementation of the design. And everybody knew how this should be done. You do a lot of simulation and you compare the results of the simulation between those two different levels. So we sat for a couple of months and we looked at ways of how to improve the simulation and do things in an incremental manner. And it gave us only marginal improvements. So when I step back and I say, what are we really trying to solve? We're trying to solve the correlation between those two levels. Can we use a completely different method to do that? And by introducing a method called formal verification, which does a mathematical comparison and a couple of other technologies put together, we were able to create a solution that was complete in the sense that the escapes that we had earlier just disappeared and it was almost 100x more efficient on computing because you had some mathematics to perform rather than running all those simulations. So we still ran some, but fewer and fewer. So that is an example where a breakthrough comes not by finding a better solution, but by redefining the problem that needs to be solved. So my advice is always question the question.
0: Now, you talk about the notions of transformative innovation within two lessons. Can you talk about those?
1: Transformative innovation is when you're not only creating a breakthrough. Transformative innovation changes fundamentally the environment in which it goes to. You know, the compass is a transformative innovation, obviously. Uh, Within the business world, online shopping is transformative. It changed the way we do things over a relatively short period of time. And Within the technology world, there are also transformative innovations which change the way we approach and the way we solve problems, the type of solutions we create. My observation is that the transformative innovation is not about the details. You usually have to go all the way down to the level of beliefs. Again, to give an example, look at Gutenberg and the printing machine. In addition to the technology, there was a question of, Who should be educated? If all you want to educate are the royalty and senior levels of religious infrastructure or others, then you don't need the printing machine. But if what you want to achieve is to educate the masses, then a printing machine is a huge transformative device. And the other lesson that complements it is that those transformative innovations are usually controversial. You need to give a different set of priorities. It's more difficult to approach people and to move them from one set of beliefs, one worldview, to a worldview that is different, that has different principles in its foundation. So when you are drawing for those who are driving transformative innovation, they need to go out there and show their grit and show their persistence because it's not going to be easy. There's one more lesson, which is how do you drive transformative innovation? This is more for people who are technology leaders, and they're convinced that if they have the right solution, all they need to do is come and show the right solution because everybody can see based on the data that that's the new way of doing things. And that is not the way it happens because you also have to challenge some basic beliefs and priorities. So the advice is to really encapsulate and work on how do you communicate the essence of the new innovation. And driving change to take effect requires its own innovation. It almost takes as much innovation to be able to drive a new idea as to reach the new idea in the first place.
0: Another one that um, caught my eye is when it's clear, it's late. Tell me about that. Uh,
1: this is such a significant insight, and it's so difficult to convey and deploy. As humans, we have the ability to foresee things. No, it's in our prefrontal cortex, and we're able to run scenarios and think about how the future would look like. The environment is changing faster than that. Our thinking is linear, and the environment is changing in an exponential accelerating rate. And one of the measures that I can mention is the exponential rate of change in adopting new technologies. Electricity, for example, it took 45 years. Radio took about 30 years. Mobile phone took 12. Smartphone took four. That means that when we make decisions where we're going to a new technology, we cannot expect it to be clear when we make our decisions. And the scientific method says you have an hypothesis you experiment, you get some empirical results, and based on hard engineering data, you can get the direction, you can make the decision that you need. And what I'm saying is because of the rate of change is so fast, you cannot do that anymore. You have to involve some level of experimentation with a gut feel in order to know what is going to be the right challenge to solve in two or three years. Where do you need to target your solution? Because if you target your solution to something that looks similar to the type of problems that are out there today, you will shoot behind the duck. So this notion of when it is clear, it is late, puts a new set of expectations on technology leaders to apply judgment, to apply both technical work, but at the same time, their vision and their intuition about what the future is, because otherwise, they will not keep pace with an accelerating world.
0: I know we don't have time for all 10, but there is one that I wanted to touch on, Embrace AI, tell me about that.
1: I'm talking about how do we partner with AI in order to create better innovation. The use of AI, the use of machine learning can be applied to improve the way we're doing our innovation. We use the benefit of our creativity and innovation with experimentation exploration that we allow the AI systems to do with us or sometimes for us. So by being able to clearly find paths that are more promising than others, by being able to have experimentation that gives you a turnaround time in seconds or minutes versus months, with those, you are able to harness AI to create a much better result out of your innovative process.
0: Well, Gadi, thank you so much for being on today. Really inspirational stuff. We'd love to have you back soon to chat on Chat about some of these ideas and how you're applying them to your current team.
1: That would be great. My pleasure. Thank you.